From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it's my high honor to have as my guest, Father Robert Cannon, a uh, retired uh, colonel in the Air Force, retired chaplain in the United States Air Force with 30 years under his belt as a chaplain. Uh, and now the Chancellor here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Father Cannon, thank you for talking to me today. No, thanks for being with you. And, uh, of course, foremost in mind, um, this month and this year, we're recording this in May of 2022, is the National Collection for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. Uh, the uh, USCCB, the Bishops' Conference back in 2012, approved this a second special collection in dioceses and parishes across the country to support uh, the military archdiocese, which receives no funding uh, from the government or the military. It depends entirely on private contributions for survival. And Father Cannon, you are a priest of the Diocese of Venice, Florida. Yes, I am, and proudly so. And uh, the Diocese of Venice will uh, take up the second special collection for the Archdiocese for the Military Services on May 15th. Um, tell me a little bit about your background in, in, uh, in uh, Venice, Florida, and how in the world did you ever end up being an Air Force chaplain? <laughs> Would you like the short story or the long story? Oh, jump in and just wherever you feel like it. Well, first of all, when I... Um, I thought about military services. I was thinking about military services before I was even in the seminary. And it just worked out that I was asked to be the dean of students after I was ordained to St. John Vianney College Seminary in Miami. And a priest friend that I was with in the seminary was the Air Force Reserve Chaplain at the Reserve Wing in Homestead Air Force Base. So his assignment uh, in the diocese had changed and he wasn't able to continue to provide pastoral care. So he asked me if I was interested in becoming an Air Force Reservist. Being at the seminary and with Homestead not too far away, I thought, well, this would be a wonderful way of um, giving back something to the country and to serve our military men and women as a priest. And it was nearby. And the timing was right, and the amount of time that I would need to devote to it was um, perfect. And you had quite a successful uh, a career in the, the military. Uh, you rose to the rank of colonel in the Air Force. Uh, you have all kinds of... I'm still waiting for them to catch up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got all kinds of awards, not only from the Air Force, but the Navy and the Army. Uh, and you have four... Master's degrees, four, oh, five, okay, whoa, okay, uh, my goodness, you a highly qualified, uh, not only priest, but uh, serviceman and academician. Um, that was all by accident, pretty much. Well, uh, it looks like a pretty orderly process to me. It, and it, one, it was not, it was just due to circumstances of trying to um, get different skill sets to help the diocese. So one of them was in education, guidance and counseling, and of course, um, Master of Divinity and Master of Theology in, in the seminary. Then after that, when I was teaching at our Catholic high school, Cardamone High School in Sarasota, 
One of the things that I need to do is to re-up my teaching certificate, which required additional courses, you know, periodically. So I started that, and I had not had any anthropological courses at all, a lot of social sciences. But I thought, well, that'd be interesting. And I was thinking of an anthropologist and digging up bones and stuff, <laughs> archaeology. But it, it started out, and then uh, there's a track called Urban Anthropology, in which you look at the resources of the local diocese and their needs. And I thought, well, that'd be a great way to do a, a great study on Catholic education. So I did this um, for the, the actually, the uh, master's paper was a survey of the entire diocese at the time, which included St. Petersburg and other places, and we found great support for Catholic school education. And so from that study, um, I believe three or four schools were um, started in a Catholic high school in the northern part of the diocese, and so it was... Um, really great. So I've been able to use my anthropological skills and questionnaires and things like that. Um, I hear you. A wide and varied background. Not only are you a minister, a priest, a clergyman, you're an educator, and you are a chaplain, a retired chaplain from the service, and you're also a canon lawyer. Yes, and that's another story where I'm at the college seminary in Miami that I mentioned earlier at St. John Vianney. And when the Diocese of Venice was formed in 1984, Bishop Nevins said, we have a degree in guidance and counseling, and I want to have a pastoral office uh, as far as the approach of the tribunal and helping people with uh, annulment petitions. So he says, I want you to study canon law in Rome. And I said, can I study scripture? He says, no. <laughs> can I study spirituality? And he went, no. I need a canon lawyer with who someone's going to be approaching it from a pastor perspective, and so that worked out wonderfully. I see. When were you ordained, Father Cannon? Uh, I was robbed from the cradle in 1978. I see. When did you become an uh, Air Force Reserve chaplain? 1986. So you had been in the priesthood for less than a decade before you decided to serve those who serve. Yes, I started the process, as I mentioned, uh, at Homestead Air Force Base, and then Bishop Nevins asked me to go study in Rome. So I thought, well, I can't do that now. And then I was getting ready to study in, in Rome, and I got a call from the Air Reserve Personnel Center priest, chaplain recruiter, and he said, hey, uh, are you still interested? And I said, yes, but I'm going to Rome. And he goes, well, we need priests you know, to serve in Europe. And he says, we can, you know, we can use you. And I said, okay, if you can still use me. So I was sworn in um, as a first lieutenant in Rome in the Casa Santa Maria, where the Graduate House of Studies is for priests, and uh, served at Aviano in northern Italy. That sounds providential. Mm -hmm. And you've served quite a few places, uh, bases all over the, uh, certainly the United States and Italy, and you've been in Iraq. Uh, and Afghanistan, Afghanistan, uh, Kuwait, Qatar. <laughs> you've been around, uh, and now, and now, as a retired chaplain, retired mm -hmm. colonel in the Air Force, you are now serving as chancellor here at the Archdiocese for the military services. Yes. And in that role, you are the primary contact between the Archdiocese and the chaplains who are on active duty and the contract priests as well. Yeah, well, it, in the Archdiocese, we don't have uh, what the role is called vicar for clergy. And 
Um, I'm the point person for priests that are interested in becoming chaplains themselves. So they call in or they write, they email about how can I become a chaplain. So I assist them with that part of the process, connect them with our priest uh, recruiters, and we get them started on the process of endorsement. That's what the archdiocese, that's where it comes in. The archbishop is the one who signs their endorsement to be a military chaplain in whatever service branch they choose. Again, I work with the um, recruiters to you know, facilitate like this two-part process for them to come into the military as chaplains. Also, we have reserve um, priests like myself. I had a combination of reserve and active duty. We have general schedule or GS priest, contract priest, part-time, full-time. So we have a whole menagerie of different clergy supporting our military members and families. I'm talking to Father Robert Cannon, retired chaplain, colonel from the United States Air Force, now the chancellor here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services. And, uh, you know, the f- focus of this conversation is about the national collection, the need for private contributions to sustain the mission, the ministry of the Archdiocese for the Military Services. You mentioned that one of your primary responsibilities is finding already ordained priests to become chaplains. Why is that important right now, Father Cannon, and, and how does that tie into the national collection that's taking place in parishes and dioceses all over the country this year? Well, what's twofold um, is, one, we do have a director of vocations that works with our seminarians who are interested in becoming military chaplains after um, they're ordained. What's important about that process is that the Archdiocese cooperates with local dioceses uh, around the country that um, enter an agreement. It's a co-sponsorship, and that costs a lot of money to educate a priest. And so the Archdiocese is responsible for supporting that, uh, that man who is um, looking forward to be a chaplain in the future. Right. I think the last uh, quote on that figure is our, the AMS, the AMS short for Archdiocese for the Military Services its share of that seminary education is roughly $125,000 over a period of the five years it takes to complete the formation. And right now we have something like 40 men coming through the co-sponsored seminarian program, which means that the AMS cost for those seminarians over the next five years alone is going to exceed $3.5 million. But you mentioned that's uh, the um, part of the purview of the vocations office here but you you as the chancellor have uh, an equally important role in that process right well i'm responsible for um helping the sign-in process so to speak at the end and documentation so all official documentation um that is under my roof so to speak in my office i'm responsible for that and then um the priest that um want to become military chaplains, working with them, their documentation, again, facilitating whatever I can to help them uh, come on board as military chaplains. So all of that is a is kind of an integrated process of the different departments, just not mine, as we serve uh, the Archbishop and his pastoral ministry. I see, and I want to dig down into that a little deeper, but first of all, let's talk about the need for chaplains. Uh, we hear a lot about the shortage there's a tremendous shortage of Catholic chaplains in the military. 
uh, 25% of the military is Catholic, but only 7% of the chaplain corps is comprised of Catholic priests. Uh, how urgent is the need to find more priests to serve on active duty? Urgent is one word. Critical is another. Um, it's, it's hard to describe how a Catholic priest affects so many people just by being a priest on a base. I, I see the priests that are interested in becoming chaplains. I said, because you wear a Roman collar, as soon as you walk on that base and people know who you are, you have a flock. You're their shepherd. They don't even have to know you. As soon as they see that Roman collar, you could have thousands of people that are going to be trusting and uh, trusting you and looking for support from you. And even your very presence is a great consolation to Catholic folks that they have a Catholic priest they can turn to and need. Um, that's a very that's a very Catholic thing that. We don't have to develop personal relationships with everyone because, again, when they see the Roman collar, they, they see the person who's going to take care of them spiritually and themselves as military members and also their families. And the chaplain is the only officer that uh, a service member can go to and whatever is said is completely privileged information. It can't get back to the brass, right? All of the service branches for all chaplains have um, confidentiality privileged communication and that's a real safety valve for service members or family members that can't go talk to someone else because um, it has to flow up if there's some serious issue because you're a military member so that little space of confidentiality is very very important for people to maintain their mental health spiritual health just their balance when they need to go and vent and talk to somebody and this presence this service that you mentioned doesn't come without cost. As we mentioned, just, you know, educating seminarians uh, it runs up in the millions of dollars. And even what you do, finding priests who are already ordained, there's some costs associated with that too, correct? My whole office depends upon the collection um, for all intents and purposes. Um, it, a day doesn't go by where I... I think about the people that have contributed um, to the National Collection that keeps our lights on, the food on our table. Um, the Archbishop is very, very conscious of all the contributions that are given to the AMS. He watches everything to make sure that our spending is appropriate. And every once in a while, if you turn in a receipt for something, there'll be a comment, please explain this. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're very, very... Um, Mindful of being great stewards and not frivolous with any money that comes uh, to the AMS. Sure, and for the benefit of our listener, uh, I should point out that you don't have to wait for the uh, special collection in your parish to donate to the National Special Collection. You can go online now and make a, a gift at millarch.org backslash national collection, one word, all lowercase. And uh, so uh, let's drill down further into when we talk about uh, endorsement and faculties. What, what is an endorsement and what are faculties? Well, not everyone can become a chaplain because they want to be a chaplain. They have to have a religious organization approved by the Department of Defense uh, to be what the Department of Defense is, is a religious professional person. Um, and there are about 250, maybe 
you know, a few more, a few less, of official ecclesiastical endorsers for Department of Defense. And so any clergy person who wants to uh, become a chaplain has to have an endorser. And so for Roman Catholic priests, uh, the Archbishop um, Berlio is the one who endorses all of our chaplains in the military and also in the VA. So endorsement is a defense, Department of Defense requirement. It has nothing to do with the church. Right. To be a religious ministry professional, you have to be endorsed by uh, a recognized religious organization, um, some entity that DOD has approved. I see. What are faculties? Faculties are basically a permission to function in the name of the church publicly. So um, every priest in the diocese are given faculties within that diocese to marry you know, baptized, hear confessions and everything. Um, so you're always working as a priest, uh, as an agent of the bishop of the diocese in which you are serving. Um, so it's not unusual for a priest to have faculties in a couple of dioceses. So for instance, myself here, I help in the Diocese of Arlington uh, at a local parish where the priest is by himself. So I help out on Sundays occasionally. So I have the faculties of Diocese of Arlington. I have the faculties of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., because the AMS is in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. And again, that's just permission to serve and minister publicly, um, sacraments of the church and other ways. So endorsement is a federal government requirement. Faculties are a church-oriented Right, two separate, thing, two separate things. Um, in order to, today to... Function publicly, um, you need, on a regular basis, you need to have the faculties of the diocese in which you are serving. Let's talk more about Father Robert Cannon and your background in the Diocese of Venice, Florida, where the National Collection will be taken up on May 15th, 2022. Is Venice your home, or do you come from that area? How did you discover, how did you discern your vocation in Obviously, you functioned as a civilian priest in the in the Diocese of Venice for almost 10 years before you entered the military. Tell us a little bit about that and about your journey over the years. Well, I grew up in Tarpon Springs, Florida, and I went to Clearwater, Clearwater Central Catholic High School, and I was ordained for the Diocese of St. Petersburg. Then I was asked to be on the staff as the Dean of Students at the College Seminary uh, in Miami. Um, represent the Diocese of St. Petersburg there with our seminarians. We had a lot of seminarians there. So Bishop Larkin, who was the bishop at the time, asked me to go down to the college seminary to um, be part of the faculty there, to have his representative, so to speak. And um, so at that time, I was serving in Sarasota as the priest chaplain to the Catholic High School, Carnegie High School. So I went down to the college seminary, and then in 1984, the Diocese of Venice was formed. And when a diocese splits, you have a choice of either going to your home diocese of origin, so to speak, remaining in it, or being part of the new diocese. My parents lived in Englewood. My last assignment was actually Dasa's assignment was in Sarasota, so I chose to be a priest of the Diocese of Venice. And then that's when um, Bishop Nevins, asked me to go study canon law. I came back, served as judicial vicar in residence at Our Lady of Lourdes in, um, in Venice. 
Then after about nine and a half years, he asked me to be the rector of our cathedral. So I was had the honor and privilege of being the rector of uh, Epiphany Cathedral in, in Venice. Then before the war broke out, the chief of chaplains at the time, because I was a reservist and I was attached to the chief of chaplains office at the Pentagon for the Air Force, um, the Archbishop received a phone call asking if I would come on active duty because of the need with the uh, upcoming look like war. Which war was this? The first Gulf War? This was Iraqi Freedom. I see. Um, so I get a phone call from the two-star general saying, uh, we need you to come on active duty. Your bishop has said, <laughs> um, he approves. And then a few weeks later, I was Bowling Air Force Base um, here in Washington, D.C., and two days later, um, in March, we were at war. So I, um, it was one of those things where either raise your hand and say, yep, I'll go, or resign your commission and say, I'm not going. And um, it wasn't really too hard of a choice. And in the course of that, you served in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Tell me a little bit about that. What was it like ministering to the men and women who serve in a combat situation? I would say as a priest, there are so many situations where you you feel the essence, the very core of who you are as a, a representative of God, um, in which by your presence you bring things beyond your capacity. I mentioned something about a priest going on a base and right away people feel more comfortable. Well, in a, in a war zone, when there was a priest or chaplain too, I mean, um, you, you bring a, a sense of solace and comfort without even saying anything. Um, I didn't understand that until a Marine colonel that I was working for in Baghdad asked me to stay longer beyond my normal tour. So this was the height of all the insurrection, and we could be getting mortared all the time. And, and um, so I was coming up to my, the end of my tour, and he said to me, uh, Father, I'd like you to stay longer. What do you think? And without hesitating, I said to him, sure. And he goes, no, 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 I want you to pray about it. So here's a, here's a colonel <laughs> telling me to pray about it. So he says, come back in a few days and let me know what your answer is. I said, Okay. So I prayed about it, and I went, yeah, I can do this longer. It was, it was, yeah, I can do this longer. It was pretty intense. How much longer? Oh, well, let me ask this. By this time, how long had – was this Iraq or Afghanistan? This was in Baghdad, Iraq. Baghdad, okay. How right. long had you been in Baghdad by this point? Those tours at the time were four months. I see. So, and how much longer was he wanting you to stay? He didn't say. <laughs> But, you know, I said, I came back and I said, sir, I prayed about it and I think I can, I can stay longer. And then he looked at me, and this is where I really understood the power of the presence of a chaplain, and especially as a Catholic priest. He said, well, Father, let me, let me tell you something. I, you, you can't go down. I, you, you can't go down. And what he was saying to me is that, that I could not, if I could not sustain um, a joyful, positive presence uh, among the, the soldiers and at the embassy there in Baghdad, we had everybody, civilians, all the different service branches. If I couldn't be a bright light, if I was going dim, I needed to leave. 
He just he just needed to have somebody there that would be always upbeat, encouraging an encouraging presence. Now, in a war situation, particularly in the Middle East, a chaplain is in a vulnerable position. You're a high value target for kidnapping, right? Well, it gets a little bit more exciting. Um, we were told basically that if we were captured, we'd be tortured, embarrassed, humiliated um, in front of troops to demoralize them. And I was having a conversation with, a, I think he might have been a SEAL or Special Forces guy. And he says to me, we're having breakfast, and he goes, you know, Father, you're worth uh, $25,000 on the street if you, you know, somebody could kill you. And I looked at him, I said, $25,000? He goes, yeah, you're worth $25,000. And I looked and I said, that's all? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so the same guy, so we're having breakfast. I had a little pocket knife to open up my milk and things like that. And so he looks at me and goes, what's that? I said, well, it's my knife. I said, it's got a little titanium blade. It's good for a lot of things. And he says, that's not a knife. Like Cro Crocodile Dundee pulls out this huge knife from base. Now that's a knife. <laughs> well, uh, in the few minutes we have left, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, you, you, you were integrally involved in the life of the parish, the diocese in uh, Venice, Florida, and the parishes that you served at, at the university and uh, and then you all of a sudden were removed from that setting, and you haven't really gone back to Venice since then uh, on a full-time basis, have you? No, the, the, the suddenness of having to leave was, uh, I would say, I cried. I mean, I cried leaving um, the cathedral because I really love the people, the place. Um, even though it was a lot of work, um, um, it was it was hard leaving them, and I can relate to military members who have to leave their families. And so I was leaving my family, uh, and also my immediate family. Years later, my spiritual director was saying to me, "Do you ever think about going back to Epiphany? Do you ever think about Epiphany?" And I looked at him and I said, "No, I don't." He said, "Well, why not?" I said, "It hurts too much." So I, um, it just hurts too much. It's too painful. And he says, well, do you know the reason why? And I said, um, no. And he goes, it's because you still love them. I said, he said to me, if, if you didn't love them, you wouldn't feel like you do. And that's when I realized the pain of, of separation as far as a shepherd, where you have to leave your sheep um, to go on to another pasture to take care of other flocks. And um, and that's how that's the life of a priest, really. I mean, whether you're in a diocese or military chaplains experience this all the time because you're always moving two or three years. So you have to meet and engage people immediately, take care of them. You don't have a lot of time to, hey, how you doing? What's your name? You, you've got to go in there and build relationships, take care of them, um, and use every minute you've got. I hear you. Let me ask you this for the um, ordained priest who might be listening and thinks he might have a calling to serve in the military. Uh, how does he get in touch with you? All he has to do is go on our webpage, millarch.org, look up Chancellor, and send me an email, and we'll get back with him. Very good. That's M-I-L-A-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Millarch, short for Military Archdiocese. 
Uh, and um, we've been talking about the National Collection and the importance of private contributions to support the mission and the ministry of the Archdiocese for the military services. The Archdiocese has uh, no other means of support, no parishes where collections are taken up, no grants from the government. Uh, it depends entirely on uh, private donations. And this year, as we mentioned, is uh, the uh, one every three years. There's a uh, special collection for the Archdiocese for the military services in dioceses and parishes across the country. But you don't have to wait for the hat to come around. You can go online at millarch.org, M-I-L-A-R-C-H dot O-R-G backslash National Collection. Father Robert Cannon, Chancellor here at the Archdiocese for the Military Services based in Washington, a priest of the Diocese of Venice, Florida. With a highly decorated career in the United States Air Force, a, an educator, uh, a canon lawyer, uh, holder of five master's degrees. Wow, I'm really impressed, Father Cannon. Don't be impressed. It's just <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for talking right. to me. It was a privilege. Thank you. Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, serving those who serve.